Grace be unto you and peace from God our Father and from our coming Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. As you have perhaps noticed, I am preaching on the epistle lessons in this Advent season. And our epistle lesson is taken from 1 Peter. And I will read these words beginning with verse 9. But you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people belonging to God, that you may declare the praises of Him who calls you out of darkness into His wonderful light. Once you were not a people, but now you are a people of God. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. Here ends our text. I guess one of the things that um, I remember asking myself this as a pastor when I was in my younger years. Why is it that people come to church? What's the purpose in our coming and, and being here? What's happening that can't happen someplace else? What is it that we are doing that is so unique or so special that our presence here is so important? Well, Peter is giving us an idea here. He says that you are a royal priesthood. But Peter will also use a different analogy. He will say that you are a building. You are a household, that you are a temple, and that each and every one of you are an important stone in that temple. You know, buildings are important statements. They're important confessions, I guess you might say. So important that very often our faith becomes almost inseparable from the building and the experience that we've maybe had in that building. Out in our rural communities, there are so many of those communities that are drying up nowadays that these people will be down to 20 and 30 people in their congregations, but they don't want to merge with a neighboring congregation because their faith is so strongly tied to that building. It's in buildings that we oftentimes see reflected the actual theology of the church, don't we? If it's a Greek Orthodox church, the, the domes are down low as the paintings up above, and it signals that God has come down and is here close to earth in the Incarnation. In those medieval Roman Catholic churches with the high ceilings signifying that God is an exalted God who is above all in creation. In Reformed churches where basically the Lord's Supper and baptism have only symbolic meanings, no effectual meanings, those things have been removed from the architecture of the congregation. Here in a Lutheran church, what do we see? But we see the preaching of the Word, the reading of the Word, the celebration of the sacrament, all three in a triadic form signifying the importance of all three to us. Yeah, even in the architecture of our congregation as people drive on by, what do they see? They see a great big white church standing out on the hill signifying what? 
that we are God's people called to be holy, washed clean in the blood of Christ. As they look upon these Gothic arches reaching up to the sky but pulling us down as well as though these are hands upreached in prayer. Lighting. Old Howard Peterson, as he worked with us on the layout of our property and he laid out those lights out there, he said there would be like pearls, like a necklace, inviting people to drive into the church to hear God's word. The care and the cleanliness of a church does say something, doesn't it? That people care about our congregation, that people care about where this church is located, its setting. They want to drive by and see peacefulness in this church. And of course, we can thank our Colsons for the decorations that we have here at Christmas as we set up trees and lights and celebrate and remember the appearance of Christ in the midst of this darkened world. We take identity in our buildings. That's what the disciples did. They pointed to the temple. They said, Jesus, look at those great stones, would you? Jesus reminds them that wasn't the real temple, the spiritual temple, because he said, those stones, not you know, there won't be one left standing upon another when that day of judgment comes. What mattered most was not necessarily the building, but what took place within the building, the persons who gathered together there in worship. That's what Jesus also said to that Samaritan woman at the well, if you recall. We worship here on this mountain. You Jews worship there in Jerusalem, as though the place was more important than anything. Jesus told her that the day was coming when those who worship the Father would worship in spirit and in truth. Where faith is to be found, where the word of God and his holy sacraments are to be found, there indeed is the church, but the church is made of living stones, holy and precious to God. Peter tells us, therefore, that we come together here to be a spiritual house of people who each person becomes a living stones. And there is a bit of irony in the fact that we start off as stones. You know, stones, they have certain characteristics. When you talk to stones, they can't hear you. When it comes to stones, None of us likes to carry them around with us because they're too heavy. They're dead weight. And when you think about stones, especially in a place like Israel where they existed in abundance, you couldn't sell a stone if you wanted to. And the Bible tells us that we are by nature just plain old stones. We don't want to hear God's word. We can't understand God's word. And we are, as we say in our confession, by nature, blind, dead, and even enemies of God. Peter describes it in a little different way. 
he says that really by nature, as these stones, we received an empty way of life that was handed down to us by our forefathers. He's especially speaking of these pagans who handed it down to their children. An empty way of life that he describes in these ways. He talks about hypocrisy and envy and slander. Have you ever noticed that where there is hypocrisy, they can't hear a rebuke? Where there is envy, somehow that heart of envy like a stone cannot be picked up and moved. It's just dead weight. It stays there. Have you ever noticed that with slander, that no matter what it is that you do, it cannot be bought, it cannot be removed, the tongue cannot be tamed, it buys nothing, it's worthless. But what has Christ done? Christ has taken us, stones that we are, and built us into a holy temple, a sacred place of living stones. When did this happen? Well, Paul or Peter says so clearly here in chapter 1, verse 3, he says, Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. In his great mercy, he has given us new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus from the dead and into an inheritance that can never perish, spoil, or fade, kept in heaven for you. God's great mercy has now given us a living hope. He says that we were bought. We were bought with something he calls his precious blood. In 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 18, he says, For you know that it was not with perishable things such as silver or gold that you were redeemed from the empty way of life handed down to you from your forefathers, but with the precious blood of Christ, a lamb without blemish or defect. He describes this also even in the 23rd verse of the same chapter. He says, For you have been born again, not of perishable seed, but imperishable through the living and enduring word of God. That empty way of life became suddenly through Christ and through this redemption and through this word became in us a life of meaningful value and importance. For now he tells us that we are a holy priesthood offering spiritual sacrifices to God through Jesus our Lord. He says it in chapter 2, verse 5. He says, For you also, like living stones, are being built into a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood offering spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. And he has called us, as now these stones are brought together He's called us, he says, that we might be as a chosen people in a royal priesthood in a holy nation. He called us into being in order that we might declare the praises of him who called us out of darkness into his wonderful light. And what is the praise that we sing? What is this praise? 
he says that the praise is simply this. Now you have received mercy. So why do we come together? So if our church building is supposed to say much about who we are, it's wonderful that it does. But remember, far more, far more important is the fact that each and every one of you is a spiritual stone. And as we all come together, we form a spiritual household for the purpose of giving praise to God for His undeserved kindness and mercy where He has washed away our sins and our guilt and has given to us an eternal living hope of the coming day when we are going to participate with Him in all the joys of creation. The real confession is coming from who we are, God's redeemed and chosen people, called out of an empty way of life by water in the Word. And what we do as God's people, as we declare the praises of Him who called us to be a chosen and royal priesthood and holy in the sight of God, we praise Him and thank Him for His indescribable mercy. Amen. May this peace of God that surpasses all human understanding guard and keep your thoughts and your minds through faith in Christ Jesus unto life everlasting.